Hello, and welcome to CA Church. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say a welcome to you, whether you normally attend our Mariner Campus, Town Center, or our Ethos community. We have begun a series last weekend that Pastor Mark started us off on called I Believe, exploring, and I think maybe a better time than ever to explore what we truly believe. And what I'd like to talk about today is kind of what lies beneath, what's kind of been uncovered even over these last few weeks. I'm going to invite you to stand wherever you are, uh, whoever you're meeting with this morning, whether it's your family or some close friends, and grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 91. And the reason we ask you to stand, and we do so when we gather together as a community, is out of respect for God's Word. These are the most important words you're going to hear from me today, the inspired words of God. So let me read to you from Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras and will crush fierce lions and serpents under their feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Let's pray. God of grace, we welcome you here today into our homes, into our areas uh, that we are meeting in today. And we ask that your presence would be recognized. We pray that you would give us counsel and you would give us comfort. God, I pray that you would encourage us through these spirit-inspired words written thousands of years ago, but full of meaning and encouragement for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Take a seat on your couch or something comfortable at your home and uh, let's, let's dive into this text a bit today. I want to start by talking about a very important movie for my generation, the classic 1984 movie, Footloose, starring the iconic Kevin Bacon. There's a scene near the beginning of this movie uh, where all the kids have left church and they head off to the local restaurant. They turn some music on. They're playing video games. They're dancing around. All of the things that truly aren't allowed. But the music is getting louder. They're getting excited. And they're starting to believe the, the important words of Kenny Loggins that you can fly if you'd only cut loose. A foot loose. And right in the middle of this, this moment where everyone's really feeling it and, and, and feeling all this joy and this, this hope of youth, an adult steps in 
to the restaurant in the middle of all this joy and presses pause and stops the music and tells them all to go home. If you are like me, and I think most people, many of us feel this, life was all right, music was playing, we were dancing, we were playing our games, we were going about our business, and then life came and pressed pause and everything and said, go home. And in some cases, literally. That's why I'm talking to you in your home today. For those of you with FOMO, the fear of missing out, this is hurting you. But you, you can be rest assured that there's nothing to miss out on anywhere. For those of you with phobia, fear of being involved, you're probably very happy that you're sitting at home right now and you're happy with a lot of the things, that the restrictions that have been put on us. But the fact that we have been placed in some ways into this forced fast, giving up much of what is a natural part of our lives, it causes us to reevaluate, maybe recalibrate our lives, recalculate our lives. Everything that has been a given has been placed on pause for many of us, for most of us. It's interesting that right now in the church, we are in the season that we call Lent. In the tradition of the church, Lent is a season of reflection and preparation, leading us up and preparing our hearts for the celebration of Easter. And traditionally, uh, Christians have, have taken 40 days to celebrate Lent or practice Lent, reflecting the, the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert before he stepped into ministry. So Lent is, is marked by fasting, often from food, but also some, uh, from other activities as well. It's kind of like for us that, that Lent has just been forced on us. So if you couldn't think of what to give up for Lent, life has just kind of said, how about everything? That's kind of what we find ourselves in right now. Powers outside of our control, it seems, have, have moved in and have imposed unwelcome limits on us. When Psalm 91 was, was written, the people of Israel were in constant fear of foreign armies, constant fear of conniving leaders, sometimes foreign leaders, sometimes their own. They were in, in fear of disease, and we see that the author of this psalm has, has something to say about where our trust and where our confidence ought to lie in times like this. What do we believe in times like this and how does that affect the way we live out our faith in moments like this? Now, I, I have to be careful that, that we don't misrepresent scripture here or, or misapply it, which is very common in times like this. Psalm 91 is not a promise that if you obey a certain formula, you will not be affected by trouble. It's not a promise that if a pandemic comes, you will supernaturally have immunity that others do not. It is not necessarily uh, a judgment that we are in the middle of pandemic right now, other than judging what is important to us, maybe. All the heroes that we read about in scripture, uh, Pastoral geeks and other Bible geeks like to call Hebrews 11 the, the hall of faith. Any of those people, although they lived great lives of faith, they were not immune to death and fear. And so we need to remember, because the Psalms were written in, in, in a genre of poetry and song, that it includes imagery, it includes metaphor, hyperbole, and some messages that were directed specifically at the chosen people of Israel. But we need to remember that this psalm was written by a specific person to a specific people who did not know 
you did not know me and did not know our current predicament. As is commonly said among scholars, the Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. This psalm is, is riddled with miraculous promises made to Israel, but not necessarily to you and me. But the character of God, the love of God for his people, is the eternal theme of this psalm. The eternal salvation of all those who love and follow God is the theme of this song. And I think that as we look at this psalm, we are challenged to ask ourselves a few questions. The first is this, who is God and how should we follow him in times of adversity? Who is God and how do we follow him in times of adversity? The question for us is, what can we learn about ourselves and God in the God that we worship in times like this? Well, the, the psalmist is very clear. He is our ultimate protector, our ultimate protector. The psalmist calls him a shelter. He calls him our rest, our refuge. These are things we're looking for right now. Shelter, rest, refuge. And he goes on to say that he's a good refuge because he listens. He's a God who answers. He's a God who is present, who rescues and brings salvation. In verse 14 of this, of this text, it says, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Listen how many times it says, I will. I will protect those who trust in my name when they call on me. I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So the ultimate statement of this psalm is that we're not called to live in fear. We're not called to live in resentment or impatience. Are, are, you, are you experiencing any of those right now? Over these past few weeks, fear, resentment, impatience. We, we don't need to live with those because God is in control and he can be trusted. Believe me, the people of Israel to whom this psalm was, was originally written did not always like the way God took care of them. Have you ever been there? Did you, have you ever questioned the way God has gone about allowing certain things to happen and maybe not allowing other things to happen? And when trouble came for the Israelites and things were difficult and God did not concede to their desires, what lies beneath in them as a people was exposed. Sometimes they were, we were, they were quick to default to fear. Sometimes they were quick to give up and, and run to other gods, run to other solutions. Thinking God was indifferent to their suffering but we see that God is with them in their suffering, it says in verse 15. God is near. He's closer than you think. And we as Christians, when we look at the cross, we know that God is not indifferent. We see that in the suffering of Jesus Christ. And so I think that's the first question we have to ask ourselves in times like this. And maybe we are asking that question. Who do we think God is in moments like this? And how then do we respond? Do we respond with fear? and resentment, or a surety and a trust and a faithfulness. I, I, I think also the second question that the psalm invites us to ask is how big is our perspective in the midst of this? How big is our perspective? Is it bigger than the page that we're living on right now? Or is our entire concept of who God is, is it simply based on today's headline? Is it simply based on the most popular hashtag today? At the time of these psalms, the, the, the headlines could have read, army approaches, give up. Could have read, disease runs rampant. 
See, but, but the people of Israel had, had a much larger story through which all of their headlines were viewed, including headlines like, God delivers from the grip of Pharaoh. God leads his people miraculously through the Red Sea. God feeds his people with manna. God shows once again that he delivers on his promises. And this, this ongoing narrative of a, of a God who saves and does not abandon was the main story to which all of their other stories were subordinate and found their meaning and proper place. So let me ask you today, what, what headlines are dominating your life right now? What headlines are dominating your life these days? Disease? Government lockdown? See, our biggest headline every day of our lives that colors and defines every other headline we will read today or tomorrow and the rest of our earthly lives is that Jesus stands as victorious over sin and death and over all of history. And at his coming, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And that's why we never need to be overtaken by fear. In 1 Corinthians 15, Verses 55 to 57, Paul writes this, referring to the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for everyone who follows Jesus. He says, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? I like to say this. That's like the ancient version of boo to death. For sin is the sting that results from death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And be, because of that fact, even in the midst of difficulty, we can declare, as Paul writes again in Romans 8, 28, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And because we are witnesses to this in history, this promise that, that is a larger story in which all of our stories make sense and find meaning and comfort. Standing on this side of the cross, as you and I do, we are witnesses to the fact that life, death, and the resurrection of Christ, who, who punched a hole through death and promised eternal life for all who would follow down the path he has made for us. So we ought to, as the writer of Hebrews says, in Hebrews 12 too, we ought to keep our eyes on Jesus. Even in the midst of this, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And we need to realize this. The fact that Christ sits at the place of honor next to God the Father is a sign that he has accomplished all he needs to accomplish for you and I. There's a finality to it. And, and get this, and this is important. If you are in Christ, which is the, the New Testament's most common way of describing a Christ follower, if you are in Christ, your future is secure. If you are in Christ... However you get there, whatever your story looks like, if you are in Christ, your place will be one of honor as well. Because when we follow Christ, Scripture tells us we are one with him. So where he sits, we sit. So how's your perspective these days? What headline dominates your life? Is it headlines that are going to bring about fear and resentment? 
Or is it the beautiful headline that Christ reigns over all? The final question I believe that this psalm challenges us to ask today, and, and for me, I'll be honest, it's the most difficult one, is when we strip everything away, when we strip everything away that you and I take for granted, what lies beneath? What lies beneath? In verse 12 of this psalm, the psalmist says, This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. See, the psalmist is, is stepping out, he, like, like Joshua, and saying, I don't know what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The psalmist is doing the same kind of thing here. He's, he's stepping out and saying, hey, I'm not just saying this because I belong to the chosen people of Israel. I, I, I'm not just towing the line. This is my personal conviction as well. This is my personal confession and conviction. He is my God, and I will follow him come what may. I believe that times like our current snapshot in history, and that's what it is, will reveal whether or not the words that we pray together, that we have been praying together on Sundays, that we read together when we gather as the church, that we have sung together, we will find out how deep their root has actually taken. Or whether fear and impatience and resentment will manifest because some of the things that we have held dear have been threatened. Over the past few weeks, I've, I've been noticing as, I, as I've driven through Poco and, and, and Coquitlam, uh, a lot of the trees, if you look at the trees, obviously they have no leaves on them right now, but you can see where where birds have set up their nests in these trees. Some of them have up to three or four birds' nests in them. I don't know why I'm only noticing this now. Obviously, they've been revealed since the fall. But what I find interesting is these nests have always been there, but they were once covered up by leaves. But when the fall came and all the, the, the leaves dried up and fell, it revealed what was underneath the entire time. I think what I've experienced in my own life over this last month is my tree has been shaken and the leaves have dried up and they've, they've fallen so that what has built a home beneath the surface has been revealed a bit. It's always been there, but now it's been exposed a bit. And in my life, it's revealed nests of fear at times, resentment, impatience, just wanting some of the things going on to be over. As a family... We had plans. I had my vacation booked uh, right in the middle of all of this. We had uh, a family getaway booked that we had to cancel. Anniversary, my wife and I celebrated. Celebrated my birthday. The most difficult, hard-hitting fact of our lives over the last few weeks is that my, we lost my father on March 13th. And the very ability to gather and celebrate a life so well lived was placed on pause. We couldn't do it. And on top of all of that, and, and we all have these experiences, there seems to be this heavy, dark blanket over everything that we're experiencing. And we've all had it, whether big and small. Um, important trips that, that some of you have had planned. Maybe you've only planned them a month ago. Maybe you planned them a year or two years ago, things that have put on hold. Missions trips that we as a church have had to press pause on. Some of you had wedding plans that you've had to put on pause. 
business trips, deals that were made that had to be stopped, small businesses set up and have already been cut short. It's as if we had this puzzle all set together. It was all put in place and it was tossed in the air and we're all just wondering where it's going to land. It feels very similar to what the psalmist in Psalm 46 says. It feels like the mountains have been knocked down and they've fallen into the sea and the oceans are rising up around us and we're just trying to find some solid footing. And what this does is it, it, it knocks all the leaves off our tree and it exposes what has really been living underneath. It's been true for me. It causes us to ask, what do I really believe even in the midst of this? And if I'm honest, I, I haven't been happy with what it's exposed in my own life. You can, you can ask my family. <laughs> They've seen a lot of me lately. And it's been a constant revisiting Time and time again, reminding myself of a God who is a refuge, a God who is a shelter for my soul, a God who is a place of safety, who has ultimately taken care of and protected us from all that this pandemic could possibly threaten to take. See, when God is referred to as a refuge, when God is referred to as a shelter, as, as safety, these aren't just concepts. They are sureties because of the cross. They are sureties because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they are a remedy to fear and resentment and impatience. And it shouldn't be news to us that we're going to walk through difficulties. Jesus made this very clear, and he told us how we are to walk through times like this. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says these words to his disciples. He says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Not in anything else. Peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so fear impatience, resentment. They can come and visit Christians, but they can't take up residence in Christians because our hope is not built on any of these things. So they cannot reside in those who are in Christ Jesus and they only have a hold in me when I'm so earthly minded. That's why Paul says in Colossians 3, verses 2 to 4, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. This is where you, you fix your mind. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And if that is what we believe, then we can move on to this mindset that, that Paul has in Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. So let me ask you today, when, when the tree shakes, what do you find? What have your kids discovered, your spouse discovered, your friends discovered about you in these past few weeks? Fear? Impatience? Resentment? An, an addiction to, to the daily, the hourly, the, the minute-by-minute headlines? 
or an addiction to the joy and the hope and the identity that we find only in Christ. They find someone who understands that in the midst of what feels like mountains falling into the oceans and waters rising, armies surrounding, pandemics being declared, your very identity and security is caught up in the person and work of Christ who conquered sin and death and who offers in himself our fullness, undefeatable, eternal refuge. We're called to be a people who in times like this are clinging more tightly to Christ, who view each of life's episodes through the larger fear-defeating story of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. May that be true of us. Church, let me leave you with these words from Hebrews chapter 13. Verses 20 to 21. Actually, let me turn to them in my Bible. Now may the God of peace, the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all that you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. And now all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.